morning. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, bring a lesson for you guys here today. Um, I know we don't necessarily like the circumstances, but these are good sharpening experiences, right, that make us better. So once again, I do appreciate, appreciate the opportunity. Um, with the verse that was read in the, uh, <clears throat> in the scripture reading this morning, you may think, hey, he's probably going to talk about baptism because that's kind of a go-to verse for baptism, right? But to be honest with you, uh, this morning I want to talk about repentance. And I know that uh, we do spend a lot of time emphasizing baptism. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, repentance also, I think, needs to, needs to get talked about because really it is a part of Yes, one, salvation, as we're going to look at this morning. And two, about it is ingrained in our walk as we're a Christian living our life. It is a part of our daily walk with Christ. So, you know, if you, if you just went to the Internet and did, did a Google search or wherever you do an Internet search, and you put in repentance, you know, you might get, you might get various different definitions and answers if you look in there. So... And they may not be accurate or, in, or um, congruent, basically, with the Scripture. So this morning, I, wanna, I really want to let the Scripture define what repentance is and kind of flesh that out uh, is how does it apply, when does it apply, and how do we, how do, we do it? How do we carry this, this out? All right? So there's two kinds of uh, repentance that I want to that I want to kind of bring out. Now, the Bible doesn't necessarily distinguish between the two uh, specifically, but I want to look at basically when they happen. So one initially, as, as we um, get right with God, as we get our sins forgiven, we're going to see the repentance that's in conjunction with that as well as the one that's in our daily walk. So we just, we just read Acts 2.38, the, this initial repentance, this initial turning to God, when Peter says to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want to focus on here is, he said, for the forgiveness, or some of your versions might say, the remission of your sins. Notice here that, one, Faith has already taken place because these individuals, the verse before, had basically said, after Peter had talked to them and said, hey, you basically, over the course of chapter 2, you basically have murdered God's son. And these individuals recognizing that, that they have put, they were the ones that put Jesus on the cross. They were the ones who were responsible for his murder and for his crucifixion. They recognized that. If it was just another man, they would have said, Peter, who cares? Let us get, let us get on with Pentecost. Let us get on with, with all the festivities and the things that are, that are associated with this, this holy time. But they didn't say that. They recognized who Jesus was and who he meant, that he was actually God's son. And they even asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do in response to Peter's sermon? So the faith is already there. The faith has taken place where they ask the question because they know they need to make a change. Because I think when, when people recognize and admit this, that you have, you have two choices. One, I've got to make a change. Or two, I have to disregard what I've just heard, what I've just understood. 
So they want to know, hey, how do we make a change? So the faith is there. And the first thing Peter says to them is repent. That they have to make a change and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So we understand that repentance is part of the equation to receive salvation. We have to make a change. We have to turn to God. We have to change who we are inside. We have to change our actions outside. That's a part of repentance initially. If we go over to Acts chapter 3, verses 19 and 21, uh, through 21, this is another verse uh, along with Acts 2, showing that it's in conjunction with, uh, with salvation. Acts 3, verse 19. <clears throat> he says here, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of, his holy, of all his holy prophets since the world began. He said, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Synonymous with sins being forgiven. They are equal terms. They are like terms. All right? So as you see here, once again, repentance is in conjunction with your sins being removed. Then further on into Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Now, mind you here, Paul is talking to people who had a bunch of idols up, who were basically idolatrous. They're worshiping idols, and they had one left, and it says basically to the unknown God. So they're trying to cover all, the, all their bases. Hey, we can praise all these things, and just to cover our bases, make sure we're giving everybody credit, we got to make sure we cover our bases with this one, to the unknown God. So in Paul, looking to preach the gospel to them, he went with that. Hey, this God that you don't know, hey, this is the guy I'm going to preach to you. So he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And notice how he says in 17 verse 30, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So in order for these people who, by the way, these people right here are not right with God. Remember, they're idolatrous. Remember, they didn't, know, they didn't know the true God. They didn't know Jesus. So that's who Paul had to bring before them. And now that, they, now that he brings the gospel of Jesus Christ before them, notice how he talks about repentance in regards to turning to God. A change has to be made. God is commanding everybody everywhere to repent. You know, and there's more verses beyond this, but it's ironclad. We cannot just have faith. We cannot just acknowledge and believe that Jesus Christ is and he died on the cross for our sins. That's not enough in the eyes of God. There has to be repentance. There has to be a change initially in order to, get, to have our sins forgiven so that we can go to heaven. So repentance has to be part of it. But I, I heard a guy also say, repentance, he said, repentance is not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time event. So yes, we are initially, when we get right with God and have our sins forgiven, yes, we are initially turning to God. And we're initially changing. But as we're going to see, looking throughout the scripture, many individuals who got right with God and had their sins forgiven, they had to continually turn away from their sins. 
Because, you know, let's, let's face it. As we walk with God, as we're stri- even as we're striving daily to serve Him, to please Him, to think the right things, to do the right things, which we're going to look at a little bit further, there are times when we sin and fall short, right? Now, if we don't believe that, we're deceiving ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. There's things that we constantly need to change. There's sins that we've gotten away from years ago that there's sometimes we fall back into. There's things we might, there's things, things we might do on a daily basis that we have to ask for forgiveness of and make a change and decide to go a different direction. If we don't believe that, we're, we're fooling ourselves. But that's where we have to continually make the daily, weekly, monthly changes in our walk to be pleasing to God and really to have our sins forgiven. Because what good is it if I just ask for forgiveness, but I don't make a change? If I continue intentionally sinning, which in Hebrews chapter 10 talks about, hey, if I intentionally sin, there's no longer any forgiveness. There's no more sacrifice for those sins. So I have to repent and turn away from those things in order to receive forgiveness from from God. Let's keep that in mind. But a couple of scriptures I want to bring up today in regards to uh, this continuing salvation, or I'm sorry, continuing repentance, is from uh, Revelation chapter 2. In fact, that's where both of our verses are going to come from is uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 5, or chapter 2 and chapter 3. Chapter 2, verse 5, he says, Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, or I'm sorry, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So it looks like from here, they've really, in a sense, they've walked away from God. And what's God telling them? And, and these people who were right with God, because remember, he said to the seven churches of Asia, if you look in chapter one. So these, he, doesn't, he says, these people are right with me at one point. Well, they've fallen away. In order to restore that, there has to be change. There has to be repentance. That has to happen. He says, otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand. You won't be right with God unless you repent. That's what that's saying. Revelation chapter three, verse 19 He says here, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Now, this church also was walking away from God, had fallen away from God. And he's telling them to repent. Remember, they were at one point, they were doing what's right. They were right in the eyes of God. They had their sins forgiven. They were going to heaven. But then he's telling them here in verse 19, he says that they had to repent they had to make a change. So as you can kind of see, there's, there's this initial to, to become right with God and then the kind of the maintenance of our walk with God that we have to continually be repenting and turning away from sin. So what is repentance? And once again, be careful of the searches you do because they may not be fully accurate. What is repentance? So two areas I want to look at. Um, are like when we, when we ask the questions, how do I repent and what does repentance look like? So two areas of change I, I want to look at are thoughts and actions. All right. Um, thoughts, what to stop thinking, what to think. 
actions, what to stop doing, what to do. All right? And I think it's interesting that when God tells us to get away from something, he gives us something to do as far as actions. And when he tells us to stop thinking something, he tells us what to think. You know, he, he kind of gives us the how, and I think that's so awesome about the scripture, as long as we continually stay in it, that when God tells you to remove something, he tells you what to fill it with. Because a lot of times we tell, you know, like think about happiness. Hey, just go be happy. Okay, I'll be happy, right? Sometimes we need the building blocks. Stop being mad. Be happy. Okay, how do I stop being mad? How do I get happy? So he kind of gives us, he gives us the instruction manual on how to do something. Because it's not fair to say, especially with a daunting task, it wouldn't be fair to me, or it wouldn't be fair for me to say, hey, Jake, I don't think Jake has any automotive experience at all. Jake, I need you to rebuild this V6 engine. He's probably got no clue what I'm talking about, as would I in, in his area of expertise. Now, maybe if I give him the book, here's the how-to, he could probably do it. Well, I think that's great about God, how he gives us the how-to. He doesn't just, he doesn't leave us hanging. He gives us the how-to. So when it comes to this idea of repentance, let's kind of flesh this out looking at Isaiah 55, verse 7. Isaiah 55, verse 7. He says here, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. There's a wonderful verse of, of like fleshing out repentance right there. Now, to forsake your way, to me, that's, that's actions. If you're on your way, you're walking, right? Abandon those actions. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts, abandon those thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. Returning to the Lord, I think, would be fan that's fantastically synonymous with repentance right there. And look at the result. That he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You know, that's, it's wonderful that when we turn away from our sins and we turn to God, God is very willing to have compassion on us. He's very willing to forgive us of our sins. And once it says at the end of the verse here, to abundantly pardon. We don't have a God that when we come back to him, he's wielding, you know, like he's bringing the belt, right? He's looking to punish us. Now, we may have some consequences from the sins that we've committed. And that's the way that God set it up. But at the same time, he's willing to forgive. He's willing to pardon Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, so if we're raised with Christ, we're saved. We're right with God. Remember synonymous terms. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2. In regards to our thoughts. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. It's just interesting. Now that you have gotten 
right with God. Now that you've gotten saved, the first thing he says to do is, is what? Set your mind on things above. Think different things. Just like in Isaiah 55, verse 7, he said, let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. But he goes further. He said, he said seek the things that are above. We talked about, about that in Bible class this morning, right? And we kind of, you know, I kind of make light of it a little bit because we all know how to seek for something. You know, whether it's, whether it's for tools or recipes or whatever have you that we really like, we know how to look for something. We know how to put effort into looking for something, right? So seek those things which are above. So Paul didn't say wait until you feel like it. He said seek. Whether we feel like it or not, we have to look, we have to, we have to intentionally choose to look for the things of God. Choose to think godly things. Choose to do godly things. It takes intentionality. We may not always feel like it, right? But those are things he's asking us to do. So one last, one last, um, one last scripture in regards to thoughts comes from Philippians 4, verse 8. He says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So once again, God telling us what to get away from, and God telling us these are the things to think about. These are the areas where we're supposed to focus our thoughts on. Good things, things that are, from, um, things that are godly. So that's just kind of tie that in with repentance. Now that's more of our mind. Let's talk about actions. Let's talk about the daily things that we do. And yes, we're thinking thoughts every day, but along with that, we have actions as well. So we got to think about actions and actions. Uh, another term for that might be fruits. Okay. And uh, so I want to turn to Matthew chapter three. We're going to start at verse one in regards to uh, repentance and fruits. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the, in the wilderness of Judea. And he said, look what he says here. He says, repent for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and, leather, and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the, all the region about the Jordan were going to him, and they were baptized by him in the river, confessing their sins. Notice, real quick, notice how repentance was in there. Repentance and confession. Now this was John's baptism. This is Old Testament, Right? Just want to throw that in as a side note. The baptism of Christ is the New Testament. Because remember, later on, we're going to see people who were in, had John's baptism. And that was, at, the, at that time, that was not adequate to meet God's requirements for having your sins forgiven. There's the baptism of Christ, which was later on, which we see talked about in the book of Acts. Verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism... 
He said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now listen to verse 8. He says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now notice that, yes, there's the initial getting right with God, but he's saying bear fruit with in keeping with repentance, right? So there's a continuation of this. Well, what is the bearing fruit? Is the bearing fruit just, a, just an acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is Lord? Is that, is that what he's talking about when it comes to bearing fruit? Now, that might be a portion of it, but that's not enough. Okay? Because remember, there's faith and there's action. If we read the book of James in James chapter 2, he, he says, hey, the demons believe and tremble, but he talks about showing your faith through your works. So fruits here, notes that, so fruits being actions and works is a part of repentance. They go hand in hand. I just think that's interesting to note. So notice how one of the things that the Pharisees and Sadducees struggle with was how they appeared to men and how they didn't, how they appeared to, or how they appeared to men and not how they appeared to God. I just think that's a, that's a good side note because I know mankind struggles with that back then and today. You know, so they had, to, they had to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And that's one of the things that Jesus continually uh, kind of went after them for is the way they tried to look to mankind and, and didn't worry about what they looked like to God. So that was part of their bearing fruit. That was part of the, one of the changes they had to make. So we go to Colossians chapter 3. Here's some of the actions, some of the fruits basically, bad fruits that, that, that they're being told to get away from. Remember back to God tells us what to get away from, but he tells us what to do. All right? Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 5. <clears throat> and really, as a side note, I've always enjoyed Colossians chapter 3 as a as kind of an overall general condensed cliff notes of getting right in every facet of your life whether it's uh, how we treat each other as Christians, um, uh, how we treat our spouses, our kids, how we work, and uh, just general morality. It has a lot all packed in one chapter. doesn't have it all, but it's a very, like I said, it kind of gives the condensed cliff notes. Anyways, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Remember, what to get away from. This is what we're repenting from. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And real quick, I, that word passion, because modern day, we, if I have a passion for something, like I, I have a passion for cars. Well, that's not a, this is not a sinful thing unless it becomes, if it takes place of God. But that's kind of different than the passion that he's talking about because notice how he says sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. It kind of goes with, along with those things. So our, the way we use it today may not be, it's not necessarily as bad as what it's saying here in the scripture. It's kind of a different application. Verse 6, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. 
But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Well, there's an image of, there's an image of repentance right there. You have put off the old self. All these actions, these are practices. We put those off. Now, what does God tell us to put on? Right? What does God tell us to do? But the fruit of the Spirit, notice, remember, fruit, actions. These are not just thoughts. These are things that we do. These things are things that we choose to do. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is patience, is kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, there's nothing against goodness. There's nothing against good actions. Dawson Lucas. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Once again, God telling us what to do. The good things to do. The good things to replace evil with in our actions. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate, com- or compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. These are the things that we're supposed to repent to. These are the things that we're supposed to be doing. These are the things that we're supposed to be thinking. This is what's supposed to be filling our hearts and minds in our day-to-day actions. It may not have covered all of them, but at least this gives a path to go. There's many more scriptures that we could, that we could bring up in regards to repentance. But I think this covers the majority of them. So with that, to someone who has not had their sins forgiven, has not put on Christ in baptism, so to someone who's not going to heaven, someone that does not know God, with this idea of repentance of my, in, in mind, you need to make a change. You need to make a change that not only are you going to have faith in Christ and follow him, you're going to turn from your actions. And so I want to talk about you know, first of all, what we need to put our faith in in regards to being saved. So here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Basically that God took on the form of man and he became uh, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin. And with that, he lived a perfect life so that when he went to the cross, he was the perfect sacrifice on our behalf for our sins. Not because of his, but because he was sinless. And the sacrifice that he gave on the cross was what satisfied, uh, was satisfied, it satisfied God and the requirements uh, for one to be saved. 
And what we have to do as mankind's response to that initially is we have to have faith in that. We have to believe in that, that he came from heaven, that he died on cross for our sins, and that he rose again the third day. And with that, we have to believe in that. We have to acknowledge that before mankind. And next thing we have to do, as we talked about today, we have to repent. We have to turn from our actions. We have to turn from our thoughts so that now we wouldn't, we wouldn't live for ourselves, but we'd choose God's way and do what he wants instead of what we want. That is true repentance. And also, a verse to go along with the faith that we talked about. Um, I got ahead of myself a little bit. I apologize. Uh, Hebrews 11.6, he says, I told you that you would die in your sins. Or I'm sorry, that's not Hebrews 11.6. Um, John 8.24 says, I told you you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, Jesus speaking here, you will die in your sins. And Hebrews 11.6, I apologize, I don't have that written down in here. But um, I've got to go to it. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We can't even come to God without this faith in him. We can't even come to Christ without this acknowledgement that he is the Christ and he died on the cross on, for our sins and on our behalf. And then after this, we've got to repent. So we have to turn away from all our sins. We have to live a different life. We have to live the life that Christ has commanded us to live and, it, and go by his standards, his expectations. We have to confess Christ before men. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, says, he says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will have your sins forgiven. That's what it is to be saved. He says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then finally, you have to be baptized in water, immersed for the forgiveness of your sins. And we read Acts 2.38 to start the lesson out this morning. He said, then when Peter said to him, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Faith is not enough. Repentance and confession is not enough. We have to be baptized, immersed in water, not sprinkled, not any other mode, but immersed in water in order to complete what God has required for us to have our sins forgiven and for us to be going to heaven. So this morning I present to anybody who's not put on Christ in baptism, this is your opportunity to have your sins forgiven, to turn to God, and to know that today we'll walk out of here going to heaven and being right with God. You know, and also, I know we talked a lot about initial repentance, but once we become a Christian, you know, there's things that we need to be turning away from. You know, if any individual today has an issue with stuff they have in their life, where they might need the prayers on behalf of the, you know, on their behalf from the church, from the congregation, from the people of God, to turn away from things, to, to help them turn away from things that are not, God, not godly, we're here ready to assist you with that. So this morning, if you need help in any way, whether to become a Christian and put on Christ, or you need help to get back on track with your walk with him, we stand ready to help you as we stand and sing.